Hello Life Changers, thank you so much for joining us. We have got an amazing word for you, so why don't you lean in, grab a notebook and pen, and get ready for what God has to say to you today. Lovely to see you all. Um, my wife and I, Fee and I, have been married just shy of nine years, and we have lived in three homes in those nine years. And uh, each home has been significant in our journey. Um, the first one was 88 Coral Road, and it was a one-bedroom flat that had a, a sea view. And by a sea view, I mean if we stood on the right side of the balcony and we looked this way, we could spot it just through the gap of a building in front of us. It was just beautiful. It was stunning. And uh, we, you might know the song, Jokers to the Left of Me, Fools to the Right, Here I Am Stuck in the Middle with You. It wasn't about the people living left and right of us. It was the people above us and beneath us. We, we had a, a, a young gentleman above us who would, uh, would drink excessively. And then when things would go haywire, he would vomit over the side of the balcony. So you just have to make sure that the wind's blowing a certain direction or in the time of day. You've got to be very careful. The neighbors below us, were, you, you might have uh, known WWE, tonight on E. This family was like Jerry Springer on steroids. It was just like, no matter what time of day you arrived home, you knew there was a fight, there was something going on. He said, she said, there was chaos. And, and I know we were pastors. I know we were supposed to intervene. But we were like, time out, drive home. Then they're inside, go, 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 go. And it was, it was, yeah, it was, it was fun and games. I will tell you, it was 88 Coral Road, one bedroom flat. It was beautiful. There was chaos. But it was our home. It was, it was more than a building. It was our home. It was our, the place where Fee and I fell in love and, and I grew in love and our, and our story just started blossomed. And we've got incredible memories there. Then we moved to 20 Lara Serra in Sunningdale. And this was where we had our babies. And uh, uh, yes, yeah, we had them there. We didn't birth them there. We had, anyways, let's stop. Okay. It's family. Uh, Apologize. I was trying to make sense of that. I was, just stop. We grew our family there. But the amazing thing is also there was some there was also some chaotic things. I remember the one episode where there was I've, I've told this narrative before, but there was another um, domestic situation going down, and I just I suddenly thought I said to Fia, I've got to get involved because it just seemed like it was a, a big guy with a, a, a lady who was and the situation was going down not well. And I remember, so I ran out there and I went to intervene, but that was only at that moment that I realized I was in my underpants. <laughs> and I suddenly realized how, how, how skinny and pale I was looking in light of this. And, and, I, and I thought, sheesh, what a way to go. What a way to go. Because the guy, he, he threatened me, told me to back off. And, and, I, and, I was, and I thought, let me just rather call the cops next time, you know. But these are the memories that are in my head. But, you know, it was more than a building. It was home. It was something beautiful there. And, and I could go on and on. But for time's sake, let me tell you that in this season, we are buying a building. We are buying a building. But I'm here to tell you today that it's more than a building. It's more than a building, that actually what God is doing here is more than a building. That is the title of my brief sermon this morning. So I want you to tell the neighbor next to you, behind you, around you, why don't you tell them it's more than a building. Why don't we pray, and then we'll get into the Word. Father, I thank you for this amazing community of faith. I thank you for the faith that's in this room. A people who are a robust people who say, God, there's nothing too impossible for you. I thank you, God, today. There are hurting hearts. There are hearts that are, are, are in the, the high points. There are hearts that are in the low points. Hearts that are, are desperate for breakthrough. Hearts that have just seen breakthrough and want to tell the testimony. And yet, God, you are here. The same God, the same Spirit ministering to every heart. So I pray, Father God, would you minister Strength, courage, joy, life, peace, righteousness to every heart that needs it today as you build your church. 
In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I want to briefly this morning tell us five things that Scripture tells us about the church of Jesus Christ. Number one, it's more than a building. It tells, the, the Bible tells the church of Jesus is a family. A family. It's more than a building. It's a family. Ephesians 2 verse 19 to 20 says this. So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Together we are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. You see, when we think about church, we can get seduced into lights, camera, action. We can get seduced into who's on the platform. We can get seduced into who's the preacher, who's the pastor, who's the worship leader. We can get seduced into how do the seats feel, how's the kids' ministry, and all those things are important elements. I'm not degrading that. But when Scripture speaks about church, it speaks about a family the household of God. And actually, when we understand this reality, we understand that this is not just our family, this is His family. This is His family, and ultimately, He is our Father. We are His sons and daughters. And this is an incredible reality. There's a, a dad in the house, and I want to remind us in this moment when we think about family and baby dedications and, 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 and these incredible stories that fill these seats, seats tell stories. I think about this family of life changes. It's a family that we've laughed together. We We've cried together, we've prayed together, we've worshipped together, we've served together, we've grown together, we've grieved together. And I want to say in this moment, when we think about family, it maybe has different connotations to you, but also when I think about family, another th- reality that comes up is families also fight. Any, any amens? Just a couple. Mm, mm. Just my home at Christmas time, it's, it's, it's always, it always ends well, but you know, it starts off with a little bit of exuberance. You know? But actually we have to realize that actually it's more than a building it's a family. God's building a family. Secondly, I want to give us a rapid gunfire pace today. It's more than a building. It's an army. Matthew 16, verse 18, Jesus speaking says this, I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. You see, this is a reality. When we hear Jesus speak about the church in this moment, we realize that he's giving us a picture of a people on the offense. Not a people playing defense, not a people cowering behind the closed picket fence, white picket fence and closed doors singing kumbaya, waiting for the, the, the end times and then just keep, keep our heads down. No, he speaks about a church that the gates of hell don't stand a chance. A people on the move moving forward. And then we go on and we read scripture, we realize that we're not fighting against flesh and blood. The scripture says we're not fighting against flesh and blood, but it says, but we are fighting against powers and principalities of darkness. And I think a lot of us, can we get seduced into the reality, yeah, we're not fighting against flesh and blood, but then we forget that we are still fighting. And we get lulled into a, a false sense of security and sleep and safety, and we just chill back in our lazy boys, uh, and we just go, well, you know, this is awesome. No, 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 we're on a mission, and there's an army fighting for a victory here. And we are fighting. We have been fighting for marriages. We've been fighting for breakthroughs. We've been fighting for couples to fall pregnant. We're fighting for healing. We're fighting for freedom from addiction. Every time we gather on a Sunday, there's a war going on. When we worship, it's not just singing Christian karaoke. It's not the warm-up before the preach. When we are singing and we're declaring truths, when we feel like and we don't, we're singing not just for ourselves. We're singing for people in a battle. That when I raise my hands, and maybe I'm like, I don't feel like raising my hands. I don't feel like singing, but I know there's a community that need me to worship. And your worship is important because we're an army. But also in armies, armies also endure wounds and have pain. But it's more than a building, it's an army. Thirdly, I want to tell you, it's more than a building, it's a hospital. 
Luke 5, verse 31 to 32, Jesus says about this, he says, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. I've come to call not those who think they're righteous, but those who know they are sinners and need to repent. Tim Keller said it this way, he said, the church is a hospital for sinners, not a museum for saints. It's a hospital for sinners, not a museum for saints, not a place where we sit and critique, oh, seven out of 10. No, it's a place where we come to see the bind up the brokenhearted. We come to strengthen the feeble knees that give way. We come to see heart surgery done. We come to see dead people made alive. This is a place where the resurrection life takes place. This is a hospital. This is what we're doing here. But as I said as well, again, I'll say, but hospitals, if you've been there, I've been in a number of hospitals and I've seen incredible things as we celebrate new births and we hear great testimonies of healings. But when I've been in hospitals, I've also been multiple times where people die and there's pain and there's sorrow and there's loss and hardship. Hospitals contain both of those. It's more than a building. It's also a hospital. Fourth thing I want to tell you, it's more than a building. It's a field. A field. The Bible tells us it's a field, a place where we sow seed, a place where we plant, a place where we give, a place where we reap, a place where we harvest, a place where we feast, a place where we serve generations to come, a place where people come week in and week out and week in and week out. And sometimes it feels like I don't see any fruit. I don't see any evidence, but it's a field. I'm sowing knowing there's a harvest coming. And actually we know that because also fields also have drought. Fields also have famine. But I want to tell you, it's more than a building. It's a field. Fifthly and finally, I want to tell you, it's more than a building, it's a bride. You see, one of the biggest descriptions of the church throughout Scripture is that of a bride, his bride. One of my favorite days of all time was the 22nd of February, 2014, when I stood at the front of a, of a, of a congregation and I was craning my neck to see the most beautiful woman in the world, Fiona Frances Rollstone at that moment, start to weave her way down the aisle and I burst into ugly tears. Fiona shed not one tear the whole day. Wow. Bless you, Fiona. The, the videographer was like on me going, oh, sweet. They were like, ooh, no, ooh, no. Anyone else, not the, just not the groom. But it was a day there'll be Esther when I just remember everyone craning their necks to see the bride, the bride. And that's the, the heart of God for his church, his people. It's his bride. It's not something just to be bullied, not something to be critiqued, not to someone to be bashed, not something to be spoken badly of. It's, pri it's primarily his, his bride, not mine, his. And this is something so beautiful on the mountaintops and in the mundane. It's his bride. In the high points and in the humdrum, it's his bride. In the suit and ties and white wedding dresses, but also in the sweatpants and stained t-shirts, it's his bride. It's his bride. And I want to get to this metaphor, and this is what I believe prophetically for us as we bring this into close. There's this narrative in Scripture, in Genesis chapter 29, 30, and 31. It's the story of a man named Jacob. He's the third generation of, of the Jewish patriarchy of Abraham, Isaac, and then Jacob. And Jacob is, is, is a gent who's, he's, and the Scripture will tell us, he's into his mid-70s and he's still single. Come on, what a chimp. But this man has got his heart set on a bride. He has not backed away. He says, I'm, I know that God has got a bride for me. And he goes looking for this bride. And for time's sake, we won't read it. I want to tell you this narrative. But it's one of my favorite narratives because it's incredibly humorous. 
The Bible is, is, is very, very funny. It puts uh, the office, it puts uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine to shame, people. It's, uh, this is funny. This is humor 101. But the Bible tells us that the Isaac comes to a well, and he's having a conversation with a whole bunch of shepherds, and he's saying, why don't you guys move the, the rock so we can, uh, the, uh, that's covering the top of the, the well so we can water the sheep? And they're like, no, we're waiting for some more men because that rock is very heavy. Makes sense? Then it tells us that Isaac sees Rachel who is drop-dead gorgeous coming to bring her sheep to the well. The scripture says, Isaac then moves the rock himself. <laughs> Guys, I'm telling you, this guy was like, that chick is, that chick is good, I've got to move. And found some superhuman strength, you know, just out of nowhere. The scripture goes on and says that he, when he saw her, he just he fell in love in that moment. It said that he kissed her and then started to weep. My man, Jacob, been single way too long. <laughs> This is, he, moved, he moved the stone. He, he just started, he kissed her and he started to cry. Wow, what a first date, eh? Incredible. But then this is an amazing thing. We told in that narrative about Rachel. Why did it elicit this response? The, the Bible, the writer of the Bible tells us that Rachel had a beautiful figure and a lovely face. Ten out of ten. He, the, the, the writer of Genesis is, is, is waxing lyrical about the beauty of Rachel. The only other person in Scripture that says that this exact description about a woman was Esther. And then Fiona. Those are the three. Rachel, Esther, Fiona. Beautiful figure, lovely face. Wonderful. But this is when the Scripture gets good. Jacob goes and he follows her back to her family home. He's so excited. He's willing to do anything and everything. And then he meets the family, meets his uncle Laban, who's the father of Rachel. But then we told in Scripture that Rachel had an older sister called Leah. The writer says, Rachel is, has a beautiful figure and a pretty face. And then it says, and Leah, says, had dull eyes. It's the Bible. Translators wrestle with that. And, then, and the reality, the other translations of dull eyes says, they had no sparkle in them. Uh, this is a writer who's like, he's been waxing lyrical by Rachel's beauty, gets her, and basically it's biblical code for she had a great personality. <laughs> I'm not too sure what was going on in the eyes. I'm not too sure, but just the writer's like, whoa, hello, Leah. Nice to meet you. This is what the Bible, I love this narrative, but the Bible tells that he was so smitten with Rachel, it says that he worked seven years for her. He worked seven years. Laban, her father, says, I'll give you, give you Rachel, I'll give you a hand in marriage, but you have to work for me for seven years. And Jacob says, seven years, that's nothing. For her beauty, I'll do that. I'll, I'll move a stone, I'll catch a grenade for you. I'll jump in front of a train for you. No, he's like, I'll, I'll do it all. He's like, I'm in, I'll do it. And he worked seven years for this, the love of his life. And then we see the sweetest verse in the Bible says this, Jacob worked seven years for Rachel, but his love for her was so strong that it seemed to him but a few days. Ah. But wait, before you go, ah, too much, let's read the very next verse because the sweetest verse in the Bible is followed by one of the most realistic verses in the Bible. It says this, Jacob said, I have fulfilled my agreement, now give me my wife so I can sleep with her. Ah, What? Just a typical male, eh? What? Come on. 
And this is when the story gets really good because then they have a celebration, they have a party. And if you read between the lines, this was a party where the, the, the alcohol was flowing and it was a late into the night. They were drinking. It was wild. There was, it was just crazy chaos going on. That that night when they went to consummate the marriage, Jacob and Rachel, Laban, Laban was a trickster and he wasn't ready to give Rachel away that easily. So what he does is as Jacob goes to consummate the marriage, he switches out Rachel for Leah. He switches out the beautiful figure and the beautiful face for all dull eyes. Rachel, Leah goes, and this is Bible, people. Not making this up. And, and they consummate this relationship, Leah and Jacob. And this is one of the most exciting verses of the Bible. It says this, but when Jacob woke up, there was Leah. It's like, just a mess. Like, just like, she's like, morning, honey. Oh! Just like crazy. What is, there was Leah. And it's a bit of a, it's a, one of those narratives. And it's, he comes out protesting, you tricked me. And, and then he's like, okay, and he has to work another seven years to get Rachel. It's just this chaos going on. But here's the crux, what I believe, in, reading in between all the lines, what I'm wanting to say to us as a people, what I believe God is speaking to me is that often when we come look, looking for a church, when we look for a bride, I tell you, often when you first join a church, she'll look like Rachel. You'll go, wow, I have found the most amazing church. They're so kind. They're so, they're so caring. They're so funny. It's such a beautiful, wow, you should see the redhead preach. He's so good. Wow. You should hear his story. He's amazing. But let me tell you, after you've been there for a while, oh, all of a sudden there's opportunity moments where you wake up and you go, it actually just looks like Leah. And you stop seeing the beauty. You start just seeing the dull eyes. And you start saying, wow, he says those stories quite a lot. That person didn't phone me back. What's going on in this reality? And that's the reality I want to tell us, that actually we stop seeing the family and we just start seeing the fights. We stop seeing the army and we just start seeing the wounds. We stop seeing the hospital and we start just seeing the loss. We stop seeing the field and we see the drought. But here's the reality I want to tell you. When Jacob went looking for a wife and he gets Rachel and Leah, here's the twist in the tale. Rachel, with a beautiful figure and a pretty face, is unable to fall pregnant. But Leah is very fertile. And Leah starts to give birth to children. Reuben, then Simeon, then Levi, then Judah, and then two others. She has six kids, and there's this crazy, I, I really, if I wanted to preach this, I'd love to call this, they, they start, he then sleeps with Rachel. She eventually gives birth to kids. They're giving their maid servants to each, for Rachel to sleep into. Seven years single, but all of a sudden, all heaven breaks loose for this guy. I wanted to call it uh, Desperate Housewives of Israel or something, but, uh, but it's crazy chaos that breaks out. But as you read this narrative, this is the one thing I want to remind us, that actually when you see this narrative, what is going on here? Why would someone preach about Rachel and Leah and the chaos of a 70-year-old of a single dude and the chaos of this? Well, this is why. Because let's read a scripture. Matthew chapter 1 says this. It says, this is a record of the ancestors of Jesus the Messiah, a descendant of David and of Abraham. It says, Abraham was the father of Isaac. It says, Isaac was the father of Jacob. It says, Jacob was the father of Judah. Jacob had 12 children through, the, through Rachel and Leah. The line of Jesus did not come through Rachel. It came through Leah. Leah had the son named Judah. 
And if you go to the next, next slide, just to make sure, this is verse 16 of that paragraph, says this, Eliezer was the father of Methan, Methan was the father of Jacob, Jacob was the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, Mary gave birth to Jesus, who's called the Messiah. That actually the lineage of Jesus did not come from a beautiful figure and a pretty face, it came from old dull eyes. Here's my prophetic reasoning for you and I, that actually Jacob had his name changed to Israel. And Israel became the people of God. And ultimately, Israel was the family of God initially. Israel was the army of God initially. Israel was the hospital that gave refuge to people initially. Israel was the field. Israel was the bride until the church arrived. And here's the reality for you and I. It's more than a building. And I want to tell you that the life of God comes when we are able to see something as Leah and yet love it still and trust it for the fruitfulness of God. Let me say you, that works in every area. Because when you first get married, your spouse looks like Rachel. Husbands and wives, both. And then a few years down, metaphorically, all you can see is old dull eyes. It's true. And that's why marriages fail, because people stop realizing that actually in the ordinary, in the humdrum, in when, when, when things don't go according to, uh, to plan, in the high points and in the low points, in the white wedding dresses and in the sweatpants and stained t-shirts, God has called us to be faithful when it looks like Leah, because fruitfulness comes from that place. Too many people are hijacking themselves from the fruitfulness that God has for them, because they're kicking out of jobs, because all of a sudden, they said it was Rachel, but it looks more like Leah, I'm out of here. Because people are saying out of marriages, it used to be Rachel, but now it's Leah, I'm out of here. Because of churches, it used to be Rachel, but now it's Leah, I'm out of here. And we're robbing ourselves of the fruitfulness that God has for us. This is the prophetic word that God is speaking to me and I believe to us as a church. Because what God is doing here is more than a building. It's more than a building. It's a family. It's more than a building. This is an army. It's more than a building. It's a hospital. It's more than a building. This is a field. It's more than a building. This is the bride of Christ. Thank you so much for joining us. If you'd like to take your next step or find out what is happening in the life of the church, head over to our website or follow us on social media. Cheers.